0: is Chatting Human Design, the place to be to hear how real people use human design in their everyday life. I'm so excited to have you. Hello, hello. Welcome to Chatting Human Design. I'm your host, Janelle Turner. Whoa, today's guest has already... I'm so glad that we've met because I feel like you already have like reached down into the depths of my soul and seen things and I've already talked so much about myself, which has been wonderful, but also scary at the same time. So Nadia is here. She's a four, six splenic projector. She's an intuitive guide and a human design reader like me. But what is really cool is I think our, our focuses are different, which is okay, because there's so much to focus on in human design. And I think it's really neat that we can share with each other. And there's certain things like incarnation, cross and gates that I don't I'm not as familiar with and I'm super excited to talk about it. But before we get into it, I want to introduce Nadia and say hello. So hi Nadia. Hi. Welcome. Janelle. Thank you. And I want to know how you came to human design or how it found you,
1: however that worked. Yeah. So we were talking, it's so fun to be introduced because Janelle have, and I have now been on the phone for an hour talking and connecting. And I mentioned earlier, Janelle, that I really see human design as a very mystical system. It's not a system that we're here to sort of go out and evangelize necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that human design in my experience finds people when they're ready And so I always tell people, hey, I'm not here to convince you of anything. Mm -hmm. Think of human design just as a personality test if you want to. Take what resonates, leave the rest. But I don't see it as my role to go out and convince somebody to look at their human design chart. Of course, I look up everybody in my life's charts because Mm -hmm. I'm curious, but it really does find you, I think, when you're ready to find the information if you are meant to in this life. I really trust that if this lifetime as Janelle or Nadia, our guides didn't want us to find human design, we wouldn't. Maybe our souls weren't ready for this information. And so it really helps. I, I feel like this is an important piece to start on because mm-hmm. there's so many people still in my life who don't understand human design. Yeah, And it doesn't bother me anymore because I know that they'll find it when they're ready. And the people who find it are blown away i know it must be what motivates you to continue doing readings
0: yeah yeah it is it is because especially and there's times when i'll be giving a reading and i can't tell because i do it like this um on zoom and i can't tell by their face if they're like in into it or if they're if it's resonating with them and i'll be looking and and i'm like i can't tell and then i'll stop talking and i'll say so how does how do you feel or or what do you think about that and then the the words that they choose I'm like oh this is really hitting them I just I can't see it on their face and I think it's because a lot of times especially when you're really new to human design you're getting a lot of information at once and it's like whoa and some of it resonates and some of it is like I don't I don't know what what you're talking about when you're talking about this but this I really get and they'll really grab onto those pieces and I think sometimes when we're talking about the pieces that they don't want to grab onto, the ones that they're like, nope, that's not me, they're, I get blank faces. But then it's like a slow burn. Later on, I'll get a, t- a message or an email. They're like, this one thing that you said, I really didn't want to look at that or that's not me or whatever, but I can't, I can't get it out of my head. And I think it's exactly those parts, the parts where when you look at your chart, you're like, mm, I don't think that's me because I know we all did. I did it for sure. When I I was like, I have all this openness. I'm a role model. Blah. I don't like that. And so I would focus on the things that I felt like I could connect to and grab onto. And so to me, when I'm doing a reading and I really know that somebody's into it, it's when I get that, no, that's not me face. And then later on, they're like, you totally called it. And (laughs) and I just didn't want to admit it. or, Or I've been thinking about this thing you said for days and And those are the parts that really keep me coming back and really interested is is showing people shining light on things about people that they don't want to look at. And we were talking about this earlier, you and I, about my childhood and how there's parts of it that I just assumed had expired. Time had Enough time has passed. This has expired. It no longer exists in the world. And that's not true. And I think that's when you look at your human design chart, sometimes those parts are like put right in your face and you're like no I'm not looking at that I'm gonna go here so I think it's really cool when you can we can focus on the parts that are scary and don't feel like us because we won't allow ourselves to feel that way yeah like when you're talking about the 1156 channel of curiosity I was afraid to be curious most of my life like curiosity is something that is not to me doesn't seem very logical or responsible it seems like oh just doing whatever you want and floating around. And to me, that's really kind of a crazy thing to look at. But the more that I practice it and the more that I use my voice, the more I'm like, okay, this, I think this just freaks me out because I'm not used to it.
1: (laughs) They're often, I call it the human design hangover. When people hear things about themselves that they were told when they were younger, something's wrong either you shouldn't be like that, be more like other kids, whatever that means, because every kid is so wildly different, mm-hmm. or they were made fun of for that aspect, or they just couldn't accept that about themselves. I, I call it the human design hangover because people will see in writing the things that they were so afraid that they were like, and they've been fighting tooth and nail against their whole lives. And to see it on paper, it's a dawning, it's a reckoning, it's a, oh shit, I am Mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. So what am I gonna do now? And to go all the way back to your question about when I found human design, I was dabbling in all sorts of esoteric things a few years ago. And I was doing astrology readings for all of my friends and astrology is a beautiful system. Human design draws from it, Mm -hmm. but, western astrology that the astrology that we know is much more sort of like broad i know that i'm an aries sun as an example Mm -hmm. and human design is a much deeper click of that zodiac energy so i'm an aries sun but the specific flavor of aries energy that i am is called the gate of growth gate 42 and so i was born under that gate and and that's how astrology layers into human design so My friend sent me a text on a random day, and she's like, "Hey, I think human design is meant for you when you're ready." Very mystical, Mm -hmm. very cool. And I remember receiving that text, and something flickered in my body. Wow. And I'd heard about a lot of different esoteric systems that I was like, "This is interesting. Maybe I'll get to that later on." Like it didn't Mm -hmm. hit me like human like reading those words did. Like. I heard about Akashic Records or Reiki or anything else. (laughs) Totally. And it was like, that's cool, but it didn't register the way that human design did. So I remember looking it up as we all do. You can go if you're listening and you have never looked up your chart before. There are lots of free systems. I use mybodygraph.com. Me too. And I remember reading that I was a projector and that was my human design hangover. I thought something was deeply wrong with me. My mm-hmm. whole life I, I was like i don't have the same energy that most of the world does mm-hmm. and i'm expected to work nine to five so from a young age i started taking adderall from uh in my college years actually when i was studying to be a lawyer when i was taking the lsat and had to study wow. for long hours i knew my body was not set up to do it and mm-hmm. so i was diagnosed as add and <laughs> when i read that i was a projector i was very angry because the friend who had shared the system with me was a manifesting generator. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want to be that. I want to be the multi sparkle, (laughs) Totally, the doer, the creator, the builder, because I was living so conditioned that in order to be successful, in order to be worthy, I had to do. And Mm -hmm. it's been a couple year long experiment since that to rewire myself and say, it is not how much you do, it is how well you see. Mm-hmm. You do not have to do anything to be valuable. You need to show up and love and see other people. I wrote that in
0: my day planner after I watched your IGTV. Look at your day and, and don't look don't look at all the things that you've done. Look at what you've seen. I was like what? Like, Cause I go back and I look at everything I crossed off. I'm like, I crossed this off. I crossed this off. Cool. Look at all this stuff. I also, I have multiple lists in my house. One of them is on the fridge. It's like a wipe off board for like little tasks. And I'm like, okay, wipe this thing off. Yay. 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 And I think back on doing that. And, and, I, and then you said that thing. And I was like, you like stopped me in my whole tracks that day. That was, that was, I shared your thing right after that. Cause I was like, oh dang, like what did I see? And then I had to go back through my day. I'm like, well, what did you see? And I, at first I was like, you didn't see anything. You don't, you don't know how to see, like, you're not good at this. Don't trust this. Like, look at all the stuff you did. And and then, and then I was like, no, really think about what you saw. And I could pick out little things that I saw for myself and for other people. And I was like, oh, like, these are the things that you saw and whether or not I shared them with those people or whether or not, I really sat with it for myself and was like, look, look, like, look at what you're seeing. I haven't gotten that far into it yet, but just the fact that I was able to pull myself away from what I do and look at what I can see big or small, it doesn't have to be. And this, this is where I think I got myself cut up. It's like, what do you see? Like I'm way up here in the clouds and I can see like big, huge things or see the future and all that stuff. And I, and then I was like, no, Janelle, it's just, like, what do you see? It doesn't have to be big. It can be little things. And that was, that like, that changed my whole day that day. Cause I don't really do that. I'm very like, what did you do? And then because I'm a projector, I'm like, well, you're not supposed to do that much. So what do you do? But what'd you do, but less, like, what did you do? But only think of the three things that, that you did. Cause you're a projector. So you didn't do that much, right. but then I still have it in my head. You didn't do a lot. And then
1: you're ignoring your superpower, which is sight and realizing, oh my God, there are certain lanes of life that I see, not just differently than other people, but where I can identify patterns and, and advice and consultation that people are really lacking. Like I can see people and systems better than they can see themselves. Mm -hmm. And the
0: trust in that is, is is hard. And it's still something I'm working on, like trusting that what I see is real or not real, but valuable and not just whatever. Like I, it's hard for me to think that other people can't see this the way that I see it. And I I have trouble sometimes when I'm explaining something and I'm like, you don't,
1: you don't see it that way. Like you can't see that. And they're like, no, I don't, I don't see it. Because we're going to get really deep here as a projector, the deepest wound is seeing things, especially in our parents, that they're not ready or willing to see within themselves. And so we mm-hmm. mistrust our sight because, I mean, it must have been hard to have a projector child. I know I my family had a pattern of addiction growing up, but we never talked about it. And so... I was made to think that I was crazy. I sort of gaslit myself from a young age because I'm like, well, no one's talking about it. Is this really happening? Why, why aren't we saying something's wrong here? Mm-hmm. And you know, addiction often masks pain and hurt that someone is unable to access or scared to access within themselves so they numb out. And so it's not to blame those people, but it's that as projectors, especially from a young age, if people weren't asking for our perspective and our advice, it's going to be really, really pushed down our site. I have a vivid memory of, um, of writing my parents a note about how they should parent my siblings differently. And I, I so felt like they, they couldn't, you know, that they weren't taking on what I saw to be so clear. And they weren't Mm -hmm. asking me for my advice that writing was the only outlet that I have had. Wow. And they never talked to me about it. They completely ignored it, and so it's okay. They were doing the best with what they could at the time. I love my parents deeply. They're yeah, very that li- had to hurt though. But reclaiming my gift as a projector with sight is reclaiming the five-year-old girl who was ignored. Mm-hmm. So wow. that's where reparenting gets layered onto human design as well. Yeah,
0: and I never really thought about it because, like we talked about, um, both my parents were alcoholics, and Um, I've talked about that before on the podcast, but what you just said about how I was feeling their pain, I, in my, as a child, I I just assumed I was feeling their addiction and I was like dealing, that's what I was dealing with, but there's something under that. And the fact that you were saying that the whole time I was having to manage and deal with their pain that they were covering up. Dang. I never really thought of that. So thanks again for blowing my mind, Nadia.
1: You're so welcome. (laughs) And it's, it's so interesting to look at your parents' charts too. I know that your mom's passed and even more reason why you would need to excavate what happened. And I looked at my dad's chart and, and he comes from a long line of alcoholics. So it's very much hereditary. My and I have, too, yeah. I have his permission to share this. It's his birthday in a few days. So I'm sending so much love to my father, Jim. Um, but he has a very active solar plexus. Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting to trace things energetically to people's charts that I have a fully open solar plexus. So my dad mm-hmm. was likely feeling such a strong depth of emotions from such a young age that our society doesn't tell boys how to deal with their feelings. Nope. So I have so much more compassion for him. Mm-hmm. Was, the, was the alcoholism still extremely painful for most of my life? And will I be working with that for a lot of my life? absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I don't blame him. And I see him as a human who was doing his best with the cards that he was dealt.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know my mom's exact time of birth, but I've run her chart every hour of her birthday and she's Mm a, or she's a generator, but some things change. And this is where it's interesting. Certain times of the day, her identity center is undefined and certain times it's defined. And when I see the defined charts, I'm like, I really think she had a defined identity just because of how much she pushed me. To figure out who I was and to be a thing. But then I go, you know what? She might've had an undefined identity. And she was feeling this from a young age, growing up, needing to figure out who she was. And so now she's putting it on me. Like, well, this is my child. And the best way for me to parent is to do what my parents didn't do. So I'm going to get her to figure out who she is because I had no idea who I was. And so I'm like, I don't know which one, but I... I have a hard time having, it's funny that you mentioned compassion for your father. I have a hard time feeling any sort of compassion for my mother, just from all the stuff. But when I think of her having an undefined identity center, I get like, oh, like, oh no. And that's where I feel a little bit of compassion. So I don't know. I honestly don't know which way it would go. Uh, I tried asking my sister. I'm like, "Did, did she tell you, or do you have any of her birth information? But we don't have I'll ask my dad, but I don't think he has any of it, but yeah, I can totally see how that would help me have compassion for my parents. Cause that's something that I don't really have. I have like a, I know who you are. I know who I am. You're over there. I'm over here type of energy with them. Like they're my parents, but we don't really know each other very well. <laughs> We're not very close. Um, so, I think that would be interesting to 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 I'll ask my dad. I'm sure he knows. He doesn't know anything about he, he wouldn't he'd be like, What are you talking about, you know? But I think he might I'd be like, Do you have a birth certificate, Dad? <laughs> he might have that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I find it really fascinating that human design initially was channeled as a system for parents to better understand their children. And oh. so what you're talking about with your mom wanting to make her either the opposite of the pain that she felt or more in like likeness of what she is. That's the tale as old as time. Parents Mm -hmm. have a child and see a legacy for them, you know, on their first day Mm -hmm. of birth, even in utero and gestation, when the, when the parent is pregnant, they'll, they'll think about their child and have dreams of what, who that child will be before actually getting to know them. Parents pick out names You know long before they even get pregnant and it's just such an interesting dynamic within our society what would it look like if a parent brought a a child into the world and realized this is a a soul that has Mm -hmm. lived many lifetimes prior to this one completely separate they chose me as their parent i chose them as my child somewhere in the ethers and i'm just going to get to know this little baby and see who they grow into and nurture all the differences Mm -hmm. I just did an interview with a woman who, um, she's a generator, but she has twins and they're both mental projectors like you, Janelle. Wow. And after the interview, she's like, I'm so excited to do a family reading. I'm like, not only am I excited, but I feel like it's a, like a disservice to your little mental projector babies for you not to get to know them because your generator energy is so different. All her definition was just her root and her sacral and her spleen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a fascinating dynamic and it makes me hopeful for the future that we will have parents who are just curious again your channel of curiosity curious mm-hmm. about who this separate being is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly and that's uh, what has been, I've really learned a lot about that when it comes to human design. It's really shown me I've always been that type of person who is like You do you, as long as you're not hurting anyone or yourself, you can be whoever you want, however you want. Like, I'm really not judgmental, but more, even more so since I've gotten to learn human design, I'm like, not only are you doing you, but this is what's meant for you. And even if you don't see it, and even if you don't feel it right now, I think like you're, you're in it. Cause a lot of people, when I give, give them human design readings, they're like, okay, how do I start? Where do I start with this? Where do I go? And I go, you're in it. You're already in it. We're in it. We're all in it. This is just a tool that you have been introduced now and you can experiment with it or not. Similar to you. I don't try to like put it like you have to do this. It's imperative or I won't be your friend or whatever. But <laughs> it's it's more of like, I, I want people, I'm like, you're in it. Like the choices that you're making, the things that you think, the mistakes you think you made and all this other stuff is all part of it. And now you can look at it a different way. You can kind of see it from a different angle and your choices will most likely still be the same or follow the same path. Because I really think that even if we don't know our human design, like you said, there's guides and there's, there's stuff around us that's kind of nudging us in certain ways. And some of it's our conditioning, but I also think that some of it is mystical and not something that we can explain. It's just kind of moves us in certain ways. It doesn't push us. It doesn't show us. It doesn't direct us. It just kind of whispers at us kind of like your spleen.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I, I, I call it often the current of your life. I, I called my podcast the current because I kept getting this imagery as I was journaling about it of this sort of like, it's a little bit of a lazy river, honestly, it's always flowing in a certain direction. You can choose to get in or out anytime, but if you're in it, things just flow more naturally Mm -hmm. and you have to let go of knowing exactly where it's going, Mm -hmm. but it will always have a direction and things will just feel more easeful when you're in co-creation with the universe. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: and then you'll know that you're on your life path. I get people all the time who are like, how can I become X, Y, Z thing that you're doing? And I'm like, well, it's easeful for me because it's part of, I really believe that it's part of my life path what's useful for you is gonna be completely different. So let's mm-hmm. start from square one and mm-hmm. start to look at your top four gifts. That's, I love spending time in the top four gifts because I see that as such a sort of grounding your like building blocks for how you build your life because they're the things that come most naturally to you. And when you say top four gifts, are you talking about incarnation cross or what, what are you, yeah, so yeah, those four so- gates then? Yeah, so for those listening, when you look at your body graph, you'll see there's sort of like glyphs of uh, there. It's actually your astrology. It's your gates on either side of your body graph. So there's Mm -hmm. um, a bunch of black boxes to the right of the body graph and a bunch of red boxes to the left, which is your conscious and unconscious gifts, respectively. Mm -hmm. And the very top four boxes are your conscious sun and conscious earth and unconscious sun and unconscious earth and what that means is basically like what is the energy that makes you most you mhm wow and for you Janelle your energy the energy like 70 to 80% of the energy that makes you you is the gate that you were born under it's your scorpio energy which is mm-hmm. the gate of self expression one There's one <laughs> and it's the most young of all the energies like yin and yang energy it's the most um it's very expressive. It wants to be out in the world. It wants to do the energy that programmed you at birth is I don't want to leave anything that I do without putting my unique Janelle spin on it. Even if it's like a, an Excel sheet or how you get married or how you parent <laughs> your dogs. Like there's this need, this deep need and this desire to express yourself in unique ways. Wow. That's so funny because when I
0: first learned about gate one. I was like, I'm not creative. I don't paint or draw or sing or dance or all that stuff. So like, this doesn't make any sense. And then I looked into, I was, I got more into it and I was like, well, you're really pigeonholing what creative and creativity means when you say those things. So I had to look at it as a whole. And when you say what, what you said about having to put like a spin on thing, that's, that's so funny because I don't think, I don't think for a long time, I trusted that I had a uniqueness about me. I was always like yeah i'm just i'm a person just like every other person there's nothing special about me blah and now that you say it like the way that i do things is very is very me and like when i i work at a restaurant three days a week and i don't like to be there and so i get really efficient about my time at the end of my shift like i get myself out of there faster than literally any person people race me to try to get out And I'm always out first and they're like, how do you do this? How do you do this? And I go, energetically, I don't want to be in this place. So as a projector, I find ways to be, um, to prioritize and to, to do things really quickly so that I can leave. And that is why, and I can't tell you how you do that, but, and I think when you say like creativity and putting my unique spin on things, that doesn't sound creative and it doesn't seem, it just, but it's like it's, it's how I do it. And I, and I looked around the other day. I was like, damn, nobody else can do this. Like literally no one else I work with gets out of here faster than me. Why is that? Like I was thinking about it the other day and it's like, I think it's just me. Like, it's how I do this. (laughs) It has to be me. It can't be them.
1: A hundred percent. I think that as a society, it's one of the greatest tragedies that we have pigeonholed creativity into painting or singing or dancing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we all, all of those things are all of our birthrights, of course, mm-hmm. but creativity is in the way that we move through the world. It's in what you choose to dress yourself in. It's in how you choose to be in relationship with other people. It's in how you get out of the restaurant, which I'm laughing because you're a mental projector and so environment is so important for you. And so you feel in your body when you're in a place that isn't correct. And so you are creatively yeah. finding ways to get out of there, but I, I I think that human design is so cool because it's like, it's not going to tell you, Janelle, this is how you're meant to creatively self-express, like specifics. It's it's just energy. So right now your self-expression energy is being manifested through how you get out of work. Mm -hmm. But if you really lean into your innate creativity, it's going to express in ever evolving and changing ways. So maybe the next way you creatively express yourself is this podcast. The next way you creatively express yourself is your business and on and on and on it goes. Yeah. And it's just an ever expanding consciousness.
0: Yeah. And I have to remind myself that it's like you said, when you say the word creativity, it's where your mind goes, but I'll, I'll tell myself it's not about creativity. It's about creation and what you're creating and what you're putting out. Into the world is uniquely, like you said, me. And yeah, I want to talk about the other gifts. Now,
1: now that we started to talk about me, can we continue
0: to talk about me? <laughs> Let's you, do please? it.
1: Let's do it. Okay. Cool. So that's your conscious sun sign. It's so much of what makes you you is the gate of self expression, and it's it's expressed through your third line. So it's a one point three when you look at your top right mm-hmm. of your chart. Mm-hmm meaning that you're here to self-express, but you're here to experiment with the ways you're self-expressing. So I led Janelle and I through a meditation before we started this interview just to ground the energy. And as you were listening, you're like, do I want to do this in my readings? And I I think that that's so correct for you because you're going to self-express a meditation, a grounding meditation in such a unique way. And I would encourage you to experiment with it. Okay, cool. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like it's me trying to make
0: myself figure out who I am, but maybe parts of it is more of the ex- ex- experimentation part of being like, oh, maybe this would work, but it would t- look totally different. You're, to- you're right.
1: With an undefined identity center, my mantra for people is always, I allow myself to remain a mystery. And so when you're not trying to figure out who am I, who am I, who am I? Mm-hmm. It's more a, I have no idea where this train is going to take me. Mm -hmm. But I'm so curious about how it turns out. And wow, I received a meditation that was interesting. Maybe I'll add this into this ever evolving, mutating identity. Yeah. So the way that's what people feel from you when you enter a room is your conscious sun sign. So for you, it's the gate of creativity. And the way that you contribute that gate of creativity energy into the world is through what's called the gate of the direction of the self. And that's a mouthful, it's gate two. <laughs> but what it means, it's it's Taurus energy. It's you are always being directed toward love and beauty. So if you're in an environment, particularly this restaurant where maybe it's harsh fluorescent lights or maybe the kitchen is really noisy wow. and loud, like it's not beautiful to you. You wanna be in spaces and places Nature. that are beautiful. Nature, uh, totally. And it's Taurus energy, that's why um, Earth Day is during Taurus season, because Taurus energy is very much connected to Mother Earth. Mother Earth is the greatest example of beauty and grounding that we have. That's why connecting to her is so important. Um, And your, your direction in life is seeing other people's creative pursuits and helping direct them into it. And also having your own creative pursuits. You are an artist, whether you identify that way or not, you are meant to live your life in a very artful way. And so your podcast is your art form. Like everything that you do is meant to be your art form, even the way that you get out of work at your
0: <laughs> That's so funny that that's what popped up immediately. But I was like, how
1: do I do things differently? Well, no one else can do this like me. <laughs> right. And that's the first, that's the first thing. And, and when you identify that's your gift, you give yourself more and more permission to step into it. Yeah. So that's your conscious sun and earth sign. And then, so you are aware that you are like this. Uh Then your unconscious sun and earth sign are the things that you might not realize about yourself until either you get older or other people point them out about you. Mm -hmm. So your unconscious earth is actually the gate that the sun is in right now while we're recording this podcast in Leo season. It's uh, the gate of the role of the self in interaction, which again, another mouthful, but it's eight seven. (laughs) And so this energy is a leadership energy, but it's a leadership in how you hold yourself in interactions. You have a very strict moral compass and fiber. You live in integrity. You want people's actions to match their words. And when Mm -hmm. they don't, it is deeply disturbing to you because that's how you hold yourself. And it comes, so you have such a moral compass and it comes so naturally in how you engage with the world around you that when people are out of alignment, it's like you have an allergic reaction and it comes so naturally to you that you unknowingly attract attention for it. People see you living in integrity and they're like, you're a leader. Like you're going to lead us. Right. And you're like, no, no, no. I wasn't looking for that attention. Like (laughs) I actually don't want to lead anyone. And they're like, no, but you're already doing it just in the way that you hold yourself. Cool.
0: Yeah. That's really, that's really neat. Yeah. I totally see that. And it's so funny because I had a, I had a reading done a little while ago and he told me as a mental projector, he goes, projectors are, projectors are natural hypocrites because we tell people, we can advise people, but we can't turn it on ourselves. So a lot of times, and this was really what would, would hang me up. I felt like I couldn't, tell people things unless I was doing those things. Like I couldn't tell people like, maybe this isn't the job for you. If I'm still on a job that I don't like, like, I I was like, how do I give advice if I'm not living that advice? I I feel like I'm a hypocrite. And he was like, well, yeah, you're a projector. That's kind of how it goes. You're not, you're not here to live and do everything that you see. Like that's not how it works. Otherwise, you know, it would be impossible because you would try to be trying to be a perfect human being with perfect integrity and perfect, just like you said, a perfect moral compass. And we're not, it's not going to look that way. So I had a really hard time at first when I learned about human design giving readings because I was like, well, am I living my human design hundred percent all the time? If not, then I can't talk to other people about it. That's not fair. It's not right. It doesn't make, it's not good for them. Like I'm not being genuine. I'm not being authentic. And then I, I, I got rid of that and realized that, yeah, he's totally right. (laughs) I can talk about these things and not use my strategy and authority a hundred percent of the time, because that's never going to happen. First of all, and I don't see it for myself. Like I can see it for other people. So I don't need to try to turn that on myself because it's not going to be the same site. It's just different. It's blurry usually, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. That's really cool that you say that. Cause I do, and I have a really hard time. We talked about this earlier with lying and when people doing things and saying another thing is to me is a lie. That's a lie. And so if I feel that or see that, yeah, I'd be like, ah, but you said this and you're doing this, like what's happening. And then I turn that on myself and I'm like, well, look at you, you're saying this and you're doing this. You're, you're the same, but I know now that it's not meant, I, I'm not meant to turn my side on myself because that's just going to cause me to pick apart all the little things that I think aren't correct all of the time and be a big perfectionist. Cause that's, I got a lot
1: of that in me too, but yeah, that's neat. But even your intention to try as much as possible to live in integrity is far more than most people. And that's, what's so humbling about human design is you could think Janelle that everybody is like you, everybody goes through life. Being like, How think. can I, and that's not true. I know so crazy that you say that, but I believe you. (laughs) And, and and that's the reason why you had such a difficult time with hypocrisy, being a hypocrite, Mm -hmm. because especially as a three, six, you're going to experiment with something, your third line, and then you want to model it out as a role model. So it's, um, I love that you're giving yourself more compassion because you're human, of course, Mm -hmm. but 90% of the time you will act in integrity and that's a gift that you have. So own it. And that's what makes you a leader. That's cool. And then the way that you contribute that gate of the role of the self in interaction <laughs> <such a laughs> mouthful, is through the gate of the listener. So this is gate 13 and all of these four gates that I'm talking about in Janelle's incarnation cross her top four gifts are connected to her identity center, which is undefined. So unequivocally in your life, Janelle, you are here to guide people into right alignment with their identities. And it makes a lot of sense to me that you found human design because that is one modality that can yo-yo somebody back into their true self and what their soul came here to do in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And your gate of the listener is that you have this capacity to hear and really store people's secrets. There is this vault that just is the way that you are when somebody tells you something deep, painful, scary, that they've never told anyone before. they know that they can trust you. There's this deeply compassionate, trusting empathetic energy about you. And I can sense that maybe that was taken advantage of with with sort of like the double standards and lies that you experienced in childhood. But you are the person at a party with your shoulder completely drenched in somebody's tears because they're like, I don't know why I'm telling you this right now, but, and then they go on to sort of word vomit so much so mm-hmm. that you can get a little bit exhausted by hearing everybody's stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how to set correct boundaries around it, but your gift Janelle is listening. And so altogether together. You are a deeply artistic human who is meant to leave her unique imprint on everything that you touch in a way that just experiments with like painting and creativity, painting your life, basically. Mm-hmm. Guiding people back into their own creative pursuits, leading just through the way that you act and in, and in your integrity and listening. And so you're meant to get paid for all of those qualities. <laughs> I think- People often hear about their top four gifts. They're like, okay, so what is the thing? I would say marinate on those, on those energies, because they're just energies. Mm -hmm. And everything that you do ask yourself, am I using these four gifts? Like a check checklist. I know Mm -hmm. you like your to-do list. I do. (laughs) So use it as a checklist and the universe is going to continue guiding you into greater and greater expressions of those top four gifts. And if you're willing to hear it now, I can tell you about your incarnation cross, which is basically just the story of your life path based on those four gifts.
0: Yeah. I mean, yes, please. I would love to hear that. Okay.
1: I'll pull it up.
0: This is so cool. And, and what you said about being a listener, it's, it's true. And, and a lot of times I'm like, why? I feel like people complain to me a lot. Like they tell me their complaints and their gripes with what's going on. And, and most of the time I'm like, why would you even complain that? That's not even a thing to care about in this world. Like be grateful that you have, usually it's at work. So I'm like be grateful that you have a job first of all, but it's really neat because yeah, people do tell me a lot of stuff, but I'm also very, if someone tells me a secret, you'll never hear it from my mouth. Like, it's just not even my husband. And there'll be people that tell me stuff. They're like, I know you're going to tell your husband. And it's like, actually, no, if you say you don't want anyone to know, then no one will know. And sometimes I, I get scared that I've, I'll tell people, I'll, I'll share something with somebody else about a person, even though I know it's not a secret, like we've all been talking about it, but I feel like I'm like, oh, am I, am I sharing something? And they're like, yeah, we already talked about this. Everybody knows. And it's like, okay, but I'm not sure. Like I hold, I hold secrets and what people say to me in such a high regard of like, they told me this not to tell other people. They told me this to share it with me. And, and that's it. So I've always been a very fantastic secret keeper. My own secrets too. Like I don't like to tell people a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and too, I, the, you I today gate. were much different.
1: <laughs> totally, because I have the gate of the listener as well. So you can oh, okay feel that energy from me as well. And many healers, therapists, um, have the gate of the listener mm-hmm. because it's 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 always accompanied with a very strict moral code that like don't. You don't tell. It's mm-hmm. a vault. Yeah. And it's actually my Saturn, which is um where I'm limited in life, like the rules that I have to abide by. So if I'm not listening to other people, and if I'm not storing secrets, I'm doing something wrong.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: And even in work, I it was the same thing. You know, I in my corporate job, which I left in January, I was always, you know, in one-on-ones, people would tell me things. They're like, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this, but I feel like I need to get it off my chest.
0: Yeah. And after Realize, a while, you're just like, yep, I get it. Right. Everybody tells, everybody tells me stuff.
1: <laughs> but realizing that that's, that's so rare, that energy. So yeah. yeah. people, you are designed to, to use this as your gift and to honor it as a gift and to not just say, oh, yeah, people tell me things, but to say, thank you, universe. Like, I chose this. Like, how can I really honor this gift? How can I get paid for this gift? How can I put this out into the world as my gift? Yeah, and that's I really the- of
0: it like that. Huh.
1: Dang, Nadia. So are you ready for your cross yes, of incarnation? I mean,
0: sure. You've been blowing my
1: mind left and right. So let's <laughs> just do it again. Okay. So I find the cross of incarnation in human design to be the most mystical piece. Whenever I do a reading with someone, I'm like, sit. All you have to do is receive. I'm going to read three paragraphs. It's from the book of, uh, I actually have it right in front of me. It's called the book of destinies and we can include it in the show notes, um, by Cheetan Parkin and Corolla Eastwood. I got that one. Yeah, of course. So, um, but when I read this, all I want you to do Janelle is drop into your body and see how this feels. I love watching people's energy shift as they hear their cross because it's very contemplative and there's some cellular remembrance that usually happens where someone's Mm -hmm. like I've heard it described as a homecoming a lot oh wow so if it will feel a little familiar Mm -hmm. so are you ready yes I am ready all right you have the right angle cross of the sphinx so your direction direction is your purpose in life whether you're finding a direction for yourself or showing the way for others Many will see you as a lighthouse that allows others to find their own bearings. At times, you find yourself pointing a way that defies normal explanation. But if you are true to yourself and your creative impulses, the direction will be the right one. The Sphinx in Egypt symbolizes an ancient, forgotten, ever-constant mystical guidance towards something greater than ourselves. Somewhere in your being, you remember. Be aware that your ability to point the way for someone does not automatically imply you then have to take the lead for them or that it's your responsibility or obligation to carry others through their lives, even if you could. If you find yourself overly obliged to others and continuously helping them find their way, you might consider reviewing how healthy those relationships really are. Pointing that direction for someone and then encouraging them to engage with their own abilities is the best approach. Ultimately, everyone is responsible for their own life journey, and forgetting this can entangle you in one distraction after another. Last paragraph. With your conscious sun in gate one, the gate of self-expression, you express yourself creatively, whether it is through your inherent artistic ways or how you provide more creative guidance for the world around you. There's always something fresh and creative in how you interact with life. Whether you give direction in more subtle ways or with overtly deliberate perception, those who come to you for guidance get ingenious instruction about how to proceed. Taking the path less trodden is your way. And while you prefer that everyone comes to comprehend this about you, you're also able to explain what you were aiming toward and why. Remembering your type for you, Janelle, you're a projector and your authority, which is mental, always clues you into those people and situations that merit your guidance. How does that feel?
0: Whoa. (laughs) It's, it's, It's awesome. It's just, I don't know. It's hard whenever, I don't really trust myself when it comes to giving advice or leading people or telling people anything about themselves. And I think it's something that you touched on earlier when I was like, there's nothing different. Like I'm just like everybody else, there's nothing special for you to say that that's not true. It's like, okay, now I'm working on now. I'm thinking about that. And it's like, well, okay, maybe I can tell people things I get real. Cause I don't want to give advice unless I know it's going to be the perfect advice and the perfect time for them to hear it. And it has like, I want to control how it goes, but I don't think that that's what I'm here for. I don't
1: think there's control over it. I think it's just And this is where we layer in human, so human design is like, this is innately who you're here to be. Mm -hmm. So now we should figure out where you learned that your advice needs to be perfect. (laughs) Right. You know, like where, where did you somewhere along the way, and it was likely an amalgamation of parents, teachers, siblings, peers, etc., where you learn that you had to be perfect or that what you had to say wasn't good enough. And this is a whole can of worms, mm-hmm. of course, and mm-hmm. it's a lifelong journey, mm-hmm. but just, just the realization yourself that everything that you've believed is not necessarily you. you there' are stories that you've taken on, but they're not necessarily who you really are is so relieving. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy. And I don't think a lot of it has to do with, I don't want to lie. I don't want to be caught in a lie or I don't want someone to go, Oh, that's not true. What you're saying is not right. And not true. And I know that that's not really how advice works. And normally when you tell people something, even if it doesn't resonate with them and usually if I am giving, like if I'm giving a reading, I, even if I'm, as I'm saying the information, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to land. I can't stop myself from saying it. It's like, I, are, I know this thing now and you've invited me in to share. So now you're getting it. You're going to get it. And I, I feel most like that when I'm giving readings because I feel that there's been a clear like, all right, I asked for this. And I'm like, all right, then here you go. And I think I need to work on noticing that in my real everyday life, that people are giving me permission to tell them things all the time. And I want, and for me, I'm like, no, I need you to say, I give you permission to tell me this stuff because I know, I feel that what I have to say is really important, but I don't feel like I have the right to tell people sometimes. And I think that's partially has to do with the whole projector waiting for the invitation thing that I've always, I've always kind of felt that, that I, I don't have the right to say certain things, but now I also think it has to do with conditioning of my throat center and how I I always want to articulate things in the correct way, or I want it to sound exactly the same as I hear it and hear it in my head out coming out of my mouth, which really never happens. But or I feel like I'm not being authentic or I don't have an, an any integrity if it's if I don't like think about what I'm gonna say before I'm gonna say it. Is this the right word? Is this the right thing? But I'm I'm getting over it. And I think I think what it is is you you hit it on the head is innately, I know. That what I have to say is important. It's going to hit them big. And so I want them to be ready and I want them to be prepared, but they're not going to, most of the time they're not, you can't prepare yourself for stuff like that. You just have to be open for it. So I think you I'm caring too much. I'm caring too much about how they are and how,
1: like, I'm like, okay, are you going to be okay after I tell you this thing well, or... <laughs> You've been carrying a lot of people's emotions for a lot of your life. So other people's emotions are not your responsibility, which is the mantra of the open solar plexus. But I would say as a projector, just name it and say, hey, I have a a pretty profound insight for you, but I want to ensure that you're in a space emotionally that you can handle it. Like, do I have permission to share what I see? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And just naming it up front creates this sort of safe space and, you know, like, As a projector, we love to receive invitations, but we're also here to give invitations. Take this or leave it. That's always, always my perspective when I'm coaching in in session with people is, I'm gonna share my perspective here, but this might not be right for you and that's okay. It might not be right for you right now, you might revisit it. I'm just gonna share this with you because it's Mm -hmm. on my heart and I'm receiving this information for a reason. But if you're not in a place or a space to hear it, that's totally okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I just have to trust that what I what I have to say is is important even though sometimes I tell myself just like you said that it's everybody can do this. Everybody's a good listener. Everybody like can do these things and I don't really know I, I don't really look at the parts of my chart that are defined and go oh this this is special stuff. I look at parts of my chart that are undefined and go okay, how do I deal with these things?
1: <laughs> how do I deal right. with this? Which is most of us from a young age, we're taught the things that we're not good at. We got to work hard to make up for instead of that's okay that you're not as good at at those things really lean into the things that come naturally to you so I can live again back to the lazy river analogy. That's the river that's going to carry you. Mm -hmm. Those are the gifts that are going to buoy you and make life just feel easier. So it's a complete flipping of societal conditioning on its head. And that's why I find it to be so liberating.
0: Yeah, me too. Whoa, well, this has been amazing. And I'm glad that we did this because like I said, I normally don't get like read. I don't have anyone who tells me about myself. It almost feels uh, like I'm... Paying too much attention to myself, like it feels selfish a little bit, I guess. But oh, it it's the projector because really
1: cool. we see other people. It's it's so uncomfortable to receive.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's not. But it's uncomfortable in a way that is so great. Like because I really did want it, and it's like I was telling you earlier is when I when I do things that I feel like are irresponsible, like I'm being bad. Like when you're telling me about myself, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Tell me more about me. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> it's like a funny thing, but I know that that's okay. That I feel that way and. Yeah that was really cool because like, I don't, I have the incarnation cross is one of those things that I haven't really gotten into as much because there's just so much other stuff that pulls my focus. And so that was really neat because I never really looked, looked at myself like that. And the idea of being a leader is such a like weird feeling for me because I don't want to lead people down the wrong paths. I don't want to, it's the integrity thing in the world. Damn, it totally is that thing where I really want to make sure what I'm doing is the best thing for this person, but it gets to the point of where it gets into me of like, but well, then it has to be perfect. It has to be right. And you have to make sure it is before you have to be responsible for this. That's just
1: the, that is so, so much the conditioning that will be lifelong. I feel like it's very karmic for you to break through this pattern. Because you are a three six and you live the first thirty years of your life as a three three, mm-hmm. you are here to fail, quote unquote. You are here to try things and not have them work out. You're here to just bump up against different experiences and throw spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. Like that is how you really dive into your lazy river. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what are the things that are currently holding you at the river bank from just a lot dipping of toes in the water? You know.
0: So do I, should I just look at these things or what do I, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? <laughs> oh my
1: goodness. I know. Right. I mean, I'm like, you need to be in my upcoming group, uh, coaching thing. Cause it's basically like an eight week long human design experiment and supported oh, wow. through like group coaching and weekly circles. But beyond that, it's, it's called soul group. So we look at sort of like past lives, your soul contract, why you came here, your human mm-hmm. design, um, your inner, we do an inner child ceremony. We do a self-forgiveness ceremony. It's very powerful, but oh, wow. beyond that, I think there are so many ways for people listening to just get into more alignment with their energy. There's therapy, there's journaling. The number one most important practice that I do every morning before anything else is I take out my journal and I write, what does my spirit want me to know today? I had a very formative teacher who is a body worker and a Reiki healer. And she told me to journal about this. And it's been two years. Every day I get in touch with my soul.
0: This is so crazy because I've always been, I've almost been proud of the fact that I don't journal and I don't like to write. And it's not something that I don't do. And when people talk about journaling and baths, I don't like baths either, but, um, I have it like it's a source of pride. Like, Oh no, I don't journal. No, that's all. That's for you guys. That's your thing. And then the, and then just now when you're talking about it, I was like, why don't I do it? Like, why don't I like it? What is the aversion for me? And I think it's because when you write something down, it's permanent now it's out, it's out there. And what if it's a lie? What if it's not true? What if it's something that I think now, but I'm not going to think that later. Like, but I put, but now it's out now it's permanent. Now I but can it's see not. It all the
1: time, but I can go I back wanna, and look
0: at it. But right. I want
1: to, ch- <laughs> I'm going to have you, I want you to read a book called the artist's way. I think okay. it's, it's meant for you. Okay. And in that book, it's, it's a book of reclaiming creativity, which as the gate of self-expression yeah, is I do need so that. healthy for you. But it's basically, she tells you, you have to do a morning journaling practice and a weekly artist date, she calls it, like a, time, a solo date where you go get inspired somewhere. But okay. in your morning journaling, she's like, the number one rule is don't go back and read your journals. That's not what they're really? for. You're not writing for anyone. You are getting all of this energy out onto paper so you can make sense of your world. And you are not going to be fixed. You need to give yourself permission to change because you're a three six. You will change throughout your life. So the way that I do it, this terrified me too. When I started putting out a podcast, I'm like, I've changed so much in the past two years. How dare I put anything out there that people can access after the fact because I'm changing in real time. So what I always tell my clients is I give myself permission to change. Say that mantra to yourself every single day. I allow myself to be a mystery. And when you're speaking, say, listen, this is how I feel about things now. This is what I've experienced. And I reserve the right to evolve and change and grow as we all should. We're not here to stay the same. We're not here to reach certainty. We're here to dance in the mystery Mm -hmm. of life. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. And that's what people will come to your platform for Mm -hmm. is a continuously evolving and growing perspective.
0: I thought you guys were going back and reading your journals. I don't know why I thought that that's what people did.
1: I like how you say you guys, like it's like me and like an army of journalists. Well,
0: I, well cause I know it's so pop. Like I know a lot of people do it. It helps a lot of people to gain clarity and to yes. just sort of get the stuff out.
1: And oh, I was I like, I read them. Okay. I've, I've gone back and read them probably twice, but really yeah. what I, what I do is I, I get all of this out.
0: It's scary. Otherwise, I think it's, it's scary. scary. I think it's scary to get it out. I think that's what it is too. It's because then I see it and it's like, Oh, it's a real thing. It's not just floating around in my brain. It's like, a, but just,
1: I, just keep, keep going, keep going. It's
0: stream of consciousness. I know. And I, I was, I talked about on my social media the other day that I was reading a book called what's it called daily joy is something I'll find it, but uh, it's about like goal setting and working towards goals and, and clearing time in your day so that you have time for goals and personal stuff and all those things. And I, we had, I had to write goals. So I wrote down some goals and then I read a couple more pages and I looked at the goals and I was like, these aren't goals. It was clean my apartment. Um, what was the other one? Very vague, like learn more about my human design, like really super random, vague stuff. First of all, clean your apartment, that's not a goal. That's something you do on like a Wednesday. But I realized I was afraid to write like actual goals, like get 15 new clients by this date or do this by this time, like specific things. I was afraid to write it down. I was afraid to put it on paper because then it's a real thing. And so I forced myself to, I was like, all right, make real goals with real dates and just put it on the paper. They don't even have to be things you think you could do just put it on the paper. And so I did that. And now I'm actually looking at them going, I actually think I can do some of these things and I'm going to make steps towards doing these things because I actually think I can. Before I was like, no, don't put these down because then they're real and you'll have to do you have to do it now because you wrote it down so you have to do it. But now I'm like, no, I don't have to do all these things, but because now I have them on paper, I look in, I look at them, and I go, "But I think I can do a couple of these things." Like I really think that I want to and I can. I don't have to do all of them, so it, that really did help. That really did help me out a lot. Now I think I have, I'm going to journal. Dang, I was so holding on to that thing of like, "Ha ha, I don't journal," but now. I think it would but be But that's your helpful. gate of
1: self-expression. <laughs> this gate of self-expression is this is how everybody else does it. So I'm going to take a heart. So <laughs> the way that you journal then make that expressive. Get a journal that feels so creative and and exciting to look at. Do okay. it during a time of day that feels unique to you. Use journal prompts that feel specific. I cannot wait for you to read the artist. <laughs> I read to. it last August and I've read it twice since. So Okay. I will get that in my Amazon cart immediately. Amazing. Janelle, this cool. was such a joy to connect with you.
0: This was so fun and I'm glad that we did this and I'm glad that we met in in such an odd way through DMs, but I'm happy that you were here and I hope that y'all enjoyed this podcast because this one felt the most authentic to me out of all of them that I've done. So, thank you. And so um welcome. let everyone know where they can find you so that people can come Come find you, Nadia. yeah. Come
1: find me in the DMs like Janelle did, yeah. Yes, I'm, nerd DMs. <laughs> I'm a fourth line in human design, so I love deep connection with people and hear people all the time being like, Don't DM me, and I'm like, Please DM me, I am all, <laughs> all about it. So you can find me on Instagram at Nadia Last, underscore. You can also find me on my website, nadialast.com. I also have a group coaching container starting September 7th that if I can't rope Janelle into doing, maybe one of you listening, I have three spots left. Uh, There are seven spots total. And it's just an eight-week experience where we enhance and expedite your spiritual awakening using all the exercises and modalities. Think of it like a charcuterie board of just trying out different things, past life regressions, inner child work. Um, Human design is a huge thread that sort of guides the experience throughout and several more, and it's all guided through uh, a a course, and then also a group chat where we voice memo about our experiences, because spiritual awakenings are wild, and it's Mm -hmm. so much more fun to do them in group.
0: Yeah, the connection part is huge for me. That's what I love when it comes to stuff like that.
1: Well, thank you again. This has been super eye-opening for
0: me, and I hope it has been for everyone else as well, so come on back and listen to Chatting Human Design whenever you'd like. This is super fun. And thank you for for being here, Nadia. You're so welcome, Janelle. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Chatting Human Design. Join me again soon. Have a fantastic day.